Well, hello everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Celeste Stein Show today. We are so excited to be talking about a topic that unfortunately a lot of us don't like to talk about, but we need to, and that is grieving. The last year has really been transformational for many of us. Several have lost friends and loved ones as part of this process. Not being able to see loved ones in the hospital or at home in their final moments has really been devastating for many. In other cases, people could not even have a typical burial. So how do we cope with some of these changes that have occurred due to the coronavirus and where do we go from here? To help us with this, we are so fortunate to have with us a healing coach, life coach, author, and speaker known as Jess Choya. Choya Butcher, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so, so thank you for having me this oh, morning. Thanks for, thanks for being on because like I said, this is a topic that a lot of us don't really like to talk about and you sometimes often don't really talk about it until you're faced with it. And so the first thing I really wanted to get into with you is um, to have you tell your own story. What circumstances have brought you uh, to want to help others with the grieving process. Uh, thank you. And so um, in, um, I am, like we were speaking about earlier, um, I'm a daughter of a pastor. Uh, so death, I understood, I understood death. We, I, I, I sang at more funerals than I, I care to remember. Um, uh, but and so I understood what death is and being, a, I'm also an ordained minister. However, in 2019, it was a very, it was a significant um, year for me. Um, starting in December of 2018, my mentor passed away. Uh, then February of 2019, my grandmother passed away. And then in July of 2019, my best friend passed away with an hour or so of us talking. Um, so it was that was the first time that I understood that what what grief looked like uh, or what grief was because um, I understood my grandma, understood my mentor because both of them, my grandmother lived a long life, my mentor, she was sick for many years, but to talk to somebody and then an hour later they're gone, um, I didn't know how to grapple with that, and um, I was very angry, and I uh, I kind of retreated <laughs> and. Um, I knew something was wrong. I knew I was I was uh, getting ready to spiral um, into this deep depression of 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 the whys and whatnot. So it forced me to um, seek help. And and when I went to look uh, in the Christian community at churches and uh, the like, there were there really wasn't anything or anyone addressing the grief. And what I realized is, um, and no offense to any other churches, I'm just saying um, we we do really well getting people from to the to the repass. We pack up the food and we say, "How can I help you?" I mean, if you're here, if you're if you need me, I'm here. But the truth of the matter is, after the door shuts, we really don't search after the people to see if they're doing okay. Um, and when I realized that, and I realized that I had to keep moving because I, I was, I'm raising my grandchildren, um, I took myself to therapy. And we just began to talk well, and work through particularly the last, the, the death of my best friend, but it was compounded by the loss of my grandmother and the loss of my, my mentor all within a very short period of time. Um, so I had this really wonderful therapist and she talked 
me through everything. And then I realized that I've all, I'm a firm believer that we don't go through things for ourselves and that we have to reach back and get someone. So I said, as I, so that's what pushed me into this trajectory of working with those who are grieving. But I believe that um, I was always called to this work and I just didn't know it. <laughs> a mm-hmm. quick backstory yeah. behind my name. Everyone thinks I'm named after my father and I'm not. Troya is actually an Italian last name and they found the name in Omaha, Nebraska. My parents, when they first got married, um, but I didn't come till two years later <laughs> and uh, they would never tell me what my name came from, where my name came from. And I, and I was at work one day and I was talking to somebody from Omaha and he was like, yeah, Troya's funeral home. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm named after a funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> the backstories. Oh my goodness. Right? So I'm like, I was named after a funeral home. Okay. Um, that works. <laughs> So now, many years later, I realized that um, I was always called to this work. This was the thing that I'm, this is the path that I was supposed to be on. Um, And I'm I'm honored that I'm helping people uh, because we don't normally, like like I said, I'm sure we talk, people, like you said, we don't like talking about grief and we don't like talking about the grieving process, um, especially in our community. But that is my, it's my hope that, we begin to normalize what this grief thing is. Yes. Um, I kind of want to backtrack to something you said. Um, You know, you mentioned that, you know, the church kind of stops after, you know, the services and and all of that is over. Do you think that has been a lot different or compounded due to COVID? Because I've noticed personally some, some, some huge differences, not being able to actually set foot inside of a funeral home um, to just be able to come knock on the door. And I, you know, I had to drop something off at, at, at a funeral I went to earlier uh, this year. Um, it's just, it just seems like oh, I can't come in, you know, like it just is very different. And so do you think, are, are you seeing, you know, when you said that, this doesn't, uh, I guess, isn't a real reflection on, you know, or, or, or a negative thing about the, the, the church. Uh, however, you know, is it different is, is my question. Since you, your family's been in ministry, I'm just curious, has it, you know, has it been completely different than what it's been in the past? It has. And I think each church and each situation is a little bit different, but the COVID has <laughs> redefined the game, if you will. Um, and, um, and, and some churches, I, I, my cousin, so this year, last year, my cousin passed away. And that was the very first funeral that I went to. And because again, I'm, I'm the resident singer in the family. So, <laughs> so I'm the one that everybody calls. Um, um, but when they they could only have 75 people in the service. Um, you had to, you had to be uh, socially distanced, and it and it was it was very weird because this particular cousin um, had it not been COVID, the church would have been overflowing. Um, and the way and, and it's 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 also different because I think we you, even even though I, I say we stop at the repass, the repass is where a lot of people at that point begin to comfort the families are able to, the family members are able to comfort one another and comfort uh, whether we're eating and remembering um, and that's been taken away. Um, And to be able to then 
um, it was it was hard not to hug my cousins, and it was their mom who passed away. So it was hard not to to hug my cousins. And um, my mom, she was very close. They were very close to my mom, and my mom, um, this is pre-vaccine, vaccine, uh, so my mom wasn't able to. She was able to. She she kind of came in and left because she she's with her being older, um, trying to make sure that she stays safe. And uh, so that added to. And then you can't be, and then with the funeral homes, only certain number of people can be there. So you don't really have the support system. So what COVID has done, um, well, in, in the, 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 the height of it, it removed those perceived support systems that we, that you would normally have. Um, and then the church, how do you, how do we navigate that? How do we now, be, how do we open up? Do we open up? Do we allow? Because a lot of, a lot of churches weren't even allowing people to come in. Um, and then, then add to that, if the person died of COVID, um, some of them weren't even allowed, allowing an open casket. So right. it was, it, it was, it's been a very weird and hard time, but but then I think a lot of them, a lot of funeral homes were forced to pivot, and uh, just like churches have been forced to pivot, and um, enter and step into technology where they where there was none, and right. um, opening it up to having streaming services that helped. Mm-hmm. It 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 I don't think it cured it, um, but it helped a lot because now at least you get to see the service if you can't be there with the persons right so those are little things but yeah they help and you mentioned that you also to to help with your own grieving process that you did see a counselor now Mm -hmm. I know a lot of folks in the African-American community kind of frown on actually going to get help but it has been really different and I wanted to ask you how did how did that process uh, come about? Did someone approach you, or did you just say, "Hey, I really think I need to see someone"? You know, like I'm, I'm just, you know, how do you get to that that step, that important step, shall we? Say? Yes. <laughs> well, um, like I said, when I was driving home, because my friend, we had his his service was in Arkansas, and uh, we actually drove out there because I was, you know, I had nothing better to do for with my time except for drive out Arkansas. But when I came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew then um, that I was having issues, that I was having issues because um, uh, there, uh, many people are familiar or may not be familiar with, there's this, this process called the five, the five steps of, of grief or, but, um, and the step that I stayed in, if there was a step was anger. And I was very, very angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at my friend for leaving. Cause I'm like, both of y'all knew he was leaving and no one consulted me. <laughs> I would have told y'all to stay here. I um, told him to stay here. But um, what happened when I got home, um, the anger began to consume me and I couldn't, I couldn't function at work. I was uh, the smallest thing. I will burst out in tears trying to work from home and being, it was, and then, like I said, I had my grandchild and I, I wasn't, I was on autopilot. I was just moving and I wasn't dealing. Um, and the smallest things would set me off. And I said, you know what, this isn't going to work. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, and I said, and I just finally said to myself, I need to go talk to somebody. Um, but I'm a, but I'm also a proponent of, of counseling and going to help get, get services, if you will. Um, because of the fact when I was in the military, we don't, we don't, you know, we had to make sure that just make sure that you're okay. 
and and uh, um, and I've I've dispelled that myth that we're weak because we're going to get help. Right. That's that's awesome because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people need to hear that, and uh, it's nothing wrong with that. That you know that's how you kind of get to your next steps. So, it doesn't make you weak. Right. Exactly. Right. We're gonna um take a quick break, but when we come back, um, I want to get mm-hmm. into those steps that you alluded to about uh, the five steps of, of grieving. We can uh, talk about that when we come back from this break. And so okay. we'll be right back right after this. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And we are back in the studio uh, with Toya Butcher. We're talking about grieving uh, today. And we are going to talk a little bit about the um, grieving process. I wanted to ask you, is it okay to not be okay? And what does that mean? Toya? Absolutely. That's one thing that I have said and continue to say um, from once I became okay, if you will, um, after, after talking through my therapist, because she, 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 she said to me, she said, Troya, you don't have to be okay today. I'm like, yes, I do. I have to take care of this. I got to do this. I got to do this. She said, no, you don't. And it's okay to be broken. Um, and we, we, I, I don't, I, I said this before, everybody wants you to be strong because it, it's, it's not, it's not about you. It's about them being comfortable with you not breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to ha- to say to to let it all fall to just stop trying to juggle it all and just letting it break, and it's okay to say I'm just not having a good day today. I'm having a moment. Um, my best friend is gone. My grandmom is gone. I can't talk to these people anymore. I do- it hurts. I don't like it. Um, I'll be I'll be better tomorrow but right now I need my 10-15 minutes just to just to get it out because if I don't and I continue to stuff it in um it's it's going to come out much worse than what it should if I, if I do it right now right um, so a minute ago you mentioned there are kind of five steps of the grieving mm-hmm. process I want to kind of run through what those are and then uh have you kind of talk about you know, like you said, you kind of got stuck on anger, you know, getting stuck and how we move to the next level. So tell me about the five steps of the grieving process. So there's this lovely lady many, 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 many moons ago, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She uh, she created these five steps and she was really dealing with people um, who were in hospice care and things of that nature and uh, had, were terminally ill. And the, the, her five steps were denial, anger, bargaining and acceptance. Um, the first, and that, and that, that it, it, even though it's, it started out because of where she, where she was working, I mean, her, her study of work, it can actually translate into a lot of different losses. Um, cause the one, one thing that we say grief is not grief is the loss of a person, place or thing that you're emotionally attached to. So it doesn't matter if it's a physical death or the loss of COVID freedoms. Right. So the first step is denial. You don't believe it happened. Then you get angry. 
Um, or in, if, it's, if it's a terminal illness, you're bargaining, God, don't let this happen, um, the whole, that, all of that, then you, ha- then you fall into the depression. And then at some point you get to the acceptance um, of, of the loss. Uh, so um, that is how, that's the, that's the steps, if you will. Um, uh, and uh, Ms. Kubler-Ross's mentee, Dave Kessler, he actually uh, wrote uh, a book because uh, it, it doesn't stop at the acceptance now is how do you live on? How do you live through your loss? So he wrote the meaning of life, the meaning of death or the meaning of grief, I think it is. And so he has, there's a sixth step now, which is moving on. Um, how do you go through it? And the reason, and, and it's not a linear, I'm denying, I'm angry, um, except it's not. It goes, you go back and forth. You can go back right. and forth. Um, with me, um, with my with my best friend, I none of those none of those steps mattered because I couldn't bargain. I didn't know. Um, I couldn't deny because it happened. Um, I couldn't. Um, I, I so then depression and and depression and acceptance. I wasn't even thinking about those. So the one that felt the the coat that felt really good to me <laughs> was anger. Um, and the living on part that wasn't even a part of the discussion. Um, but I. Again, for me, I had to think when I thought about staying in the anger, what does that look like? I had other things going on. Like, again, I keep mentioning my grandchildren. I had to raise my grandchildren. But then I thought about my, I thought about all those who have passed on. Would they want me to live like, live this existence? Mm-hmm. Would they, how would he feel if um, I'm sitting here angry at God and him because of, him him going him dying him passing away um and so when i thought about all of our conversations <clears throat> particularly him um he would he I, he would say i would hear him in my head trey for real that's what you're doing you mm. <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and, and i'm like but i'm like but 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 john but for real and um, if you don't get your behind up, I mean, and that's what he would say. And I was like, but I don't want to. It doesn't matter. Get up. Um, and so I, I began to crawl my, I be, began to crawl out and I just, and, and I had to figure out what works for me. And um, so I began to write. I just began to write out everything that I was feeling. And it ended up being a letter to him. And I poured out everything that I, that I was feeling to him in this letter and I began to feel better. Um, so I think it's important to acknowledge where you are. Um, and somebody said, you can't be angry with God. You absolutely can be angry with God because he tells us it's okay to be angry, but don't sin not, but sin not. And he, his shoulders are big enough to handle whatever we're going through. Because my thing was, I said, God, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to John. I'm not talking to anybody. Okay, but I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere. So once I realized that and I said, okay, Trey, get up get up. You, you, you have work to do. And I began yeah. to turn all of that pain into power and my tragedy into a triumph or whatever that looked like. So that's yeah. how I was able to move. Yeah. Well, that brings me to my next question. Uh, a nice segue into that. Um, we obviously know people grieve a little bit differently. Each of us is different. And so, like you said, we're mm-hmm. not going to go through all those steps in the same way or in the same order. It's not linear. Right. But um, when you're 
counseling or talking to people, what do you now say to those people who can't seem to get beyond one of the steps like like you couldn't like anger? What what do you, you know, when you reach out to those individuals, what, you know, do you say and what would you recommend um, others, friends and family who want to help that person? What What would they say or should they say? Well, there's, there's, there's two things. Well, I, for me, again, I'm a minister, so I've, I've been at funerals. So I've completely changed my language about, because, um, you know, everyone says that that universal to be absent with the body, absent with the body is be present with the Lord. That's all good and true. But at that moment, that's not what they want to hear. Sure. Um, they want to hear, they, they're my, whoever it is, my loved one is gone. Um, I don't like it. It sucks. So what I say to people now is feel everything that you're feeling. Um, it, it's, it's okay. Again, you're not Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> all the king's horses and all the king's men are not going to come to put you back together again. Um, but what I, I, I would say to people is to um, give them grace, allow them grace to go through this process. Because again, a, a person who has been married for 31, 30, 40, 50 years and their spouse is gone, you're expecting them to be okay in two days. And they're not. Um, and then there's there's the, the presence of silence. And if you do nothing else, um, I don't don't expect. I think we expect people to come to them and say, I'm broken mm-hmm. when we already know that they're broken. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting on that person, it's, it's, it's very easy. You can say to them and mean it. Listen, I know what you're going through is hard but I'm here. If you just need to pick up the phone, scream and hang up, I won't be offended. And that's what I tell most people. I said, listen, if you don't say another word, or if you can't, if you don't, if you can't do anything, pick up the phone, call me, cuss me out. I know you're not, I know it's not personal and then hang up. Um, Or just go in a room and scream, whatever you're feeling in that moment, let them do it. And from people uh, when you're, when you're dealing with someone like that, if you're trying to ask what's going on, they may not be able to tell you. And just say that I'm here, and I think that's the 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 the, the ministry of, of silence and just the presence is huge. And then just saying I'm here, I'm here for whatever you need, um, and 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 allow them to express it in the way that they need to. Because it's different, like you like I said, um, I was in a summit a couple of weeks ago, and um, Dave Kessler said, and I and I and I borrowed. I said, I'm borrowing this. Grief is as different as our as our fingerprint. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be the same. And we have to understand that um, we will never. Grief is never. You you never get over the grief because there's always going to be something that's going to remind you of the person. But you can begin to live through it. And allowing the person to get it out, that's the most important thing, is to allow them to get it out. Um, and don't be offended by the emotion um, and just know that that's just where they are. It's they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to come to grips with something that is so traumatic to them. Right. Well, as you say that, um, Toya, are there, uh, are there danger zones that we might be getting into with someone you know, where say they may be in real trouble, maybe they're not eating or not mm-hmm. sleeping, you know, mm-hmm. when those types of things start to happen, what are the recommendations there? Cause they may be very different from someone who's going through a normal grieving process, correct? 
It is, and because there's just there is normal, there's complicated and uncomplicated grief. Um, the, the the normal the normal uncomplicated grief people are continuing to move forward their life, but then there's some people that are just stuck, mm-hmm. and we see that a lot in our community. We don't we don't recognize it or we don't label it as a grief a grieving process. We really, we we label it as somebody is special. They have issues. They have, and there's, instead of recognizing that their grief has now turned into a mental, a mental health issue, which is depression. And um, when, when we see somebody that, that before the death and a six, a year in, two years in, um, everything looks different. Um, there, there's, 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 there's some issues there, but even, 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 in the first couple of weeks, the first month or so, that's 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 normal for somebody because they're still just trying to re- wrestle, uh, grapple with everything and wrestle with everything. But I think as we get into that two, three, four month period, if the person isn't eating, if the person isn't um, uh, pra- uh, practicing personal hygiene, if the right. person is uh, letting things, just letting everything just go. Then yeah, there's there's some intervention at that point that needs to happen, um, and again, b- because what because now it's moving into the realm of depression, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 a lot of it is unresolved loss because we're not dealing with the loss and we can't deal with the loss. So at that point, yeah, it it would be uh, good to start having those conversations of, of this is this is harder than. Um, what it, what uh, the normal grief, and and there was a story, and I and, and I, I it, it broke my heart. A young man um, lost his grandmother, and he felt like there was no one else in the world that loved him. And he, uh, weeks later, he 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 took his own self, he took his own life. Mm. So he wanted, um, and that that I didn't know the young man. Somebody told me the story, and it broke my heart. And those are the kind of things you want to start having a conversation about. You want to start listening to people yes, um, when they want to say, I want to be with, I want to be with this person. I, 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 I should have been, and you want to be very, very, when you see, and they have not broken and they have not snapped out of it or, um, and not, when I say snap out of it, they're just stuck in that perpetual state of law from the day of that loss. They haven't started moving forward. Then you want to start listening to those, those, um, those thoughts and those, those, those conversations. Yeah, it can be so difficult. And mm-hmm. um, I've, I've seen, it seems like more people have passed on in the last year than I can remember in my entire mm-hmm. lifetime. I've had three, you know, co-workers that have lost immediate family members, whole families. Right. Um, it's just totally different. And, you know, I find myself feeling, you know, sad and, and uncomfortable about, you know, what do I say to this person? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's not an easy thing, it's but not. you know, you want to be there for people and um, let them know it's okay. As we said earlier, not to be okay. And that right. we can certainly uh, be there to lend support. Sometimes I'll just tell someone I'm here. If you need me, if you know, don't, you know, if you need to call me, call me, you know, and, right. and we can talk. And then, you know, I mean, Obviously, in the initial stages, you know, you kind of give that person time Mm -hmm. to grieve and to go through the process. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break here. And I want to talk a little bit about spirituality and uh, religion and 
and what role that perhaps plays in the grieving process. So we'll talk about that right after this quick PSA we're going to hear from in just a moment. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust, and you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And we are back in the studio here, uh, live remoting in from various locations, right, <laughs> to talk about the grieving process. And I wanted to get into the next question. As we said, we want to talk a little bit about the role that spirituality and religion and, and the church plays in the grieving process. Do you think it's, it's, uh, it should be more than, than it is? I believe um, that if we're going to to minister to people holistically and we're, and we're treating the whole person, we have to understand that death is a part of life. And we, we sometimes forget that we all live to die. We, I mean, I know we, the people, we don't like to hear that, but we're born to die. And yes. we um and if we and we want to talk we don't want and everyone says they joke well we owe, all owe God a death we do and we talk about this eternal life but we don't talk about the death and I, so I think it's very important um, now again I, I I'm a minister I never I never thought about it in that in that way but I believe it's important that we begin to talk to people to prepare them for what death looks like. Um, and if we, if we think about it, um, Christ has already told us, <laughs> he gave us a roadmap. He had this whole conversation with the, his disciples uh, before he left. He said, listen, I'm going away to prepare this place for you, which means this, our physical relationship is no longer going to be here. Um, we talk about everything but the death because it's uncomfortable. And we, and again, we need to begin to normalize it. So yes, um, in the Christian community, I can't speak for any other um, religions, um, but for, in the Christian community, uh, we need to be able to be honest and open with this whole conversation, this whole idea of what death looks like. Because um, if, if we're telling our parishioners that there's an etern- we have eternal life, okay, the only way to get eternal life is through death. So why are we missing this huge step? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's sure. this, this thing you have to do to get this to this eternal, this, this mansion in the sky. And mm-hmm. that is close your eyes and give up the ghost. So I think spirituality and, and, and no one, I don't, and I don't, and I'm, that's, I don't know why we don't do that. I, I really don't know why we don't, but we should, because then, it's still going to hurt, which is why God's Christ said, I'm ascending the comfort, the comforter to comfort you during those times. He, uh, Cause he understood that um, the separation, the relationship separation was, is going to be hard, which is why he, he's, he purposely did that. But we need to talk about it some more. We need, um, and then understand that um, after the death, people need 
the church. They need that's when they need the church to rally around them the most. Not just at the funeral, but later. They need to be a way to come in and scream and yell and cry and get it all out, um, so that they can be so that they can begin to heal and that they don't they're not stuck in their grief. Mm-hmm. What are some of the best uh, coping strategies that you would recommend? Um, you mentioned some very good ones earlier, but I'm sure, like we said, everybody's different. Are there some other coping uh, tactics that you might recommend uh, to people uh, to recommend to someone who might be going through the, the grieving process or to that person specifically? You know, what uh, what are some of the things that you, you might say to that, that person? So um, recently I, I got a phone call of, of, of someone who was just they were losing it. And they, they were trying, they were in the car driving and, but they pulled over and they just, they were losing it. They could not, I mean, they were in the throes of a, of a grief moment and I let them get it out. And I, and then I said, stop, breathe, breathe. And they're like, what? Breathe. And I need you to, and I, I said, I, I purposely made them breathe through their nose and out through their mouth breathe through their nose and out through their mouth. And then I began to have them um, say, say to themselves, I'm okay. I can do this. I'm okay. And I think it's important when you're having those moments, it's, if it's really intense, it's get it out. Because um, our, our, one of our mantras is the healing journey begins when you let it out um, because you don't want to keep it in. So uh, if it's a scream, then cool. But again, kind of center yourself and just breathe and then write it out. Write something out. Go take a walk. Change. Uh, who is it? And Yala Vincent coined the phrase, interrupt the process. Um, if, you're, if, if you're in the house where, you, where you, you and your spouse spend all of your time together or your child's room or break up the process and leave. Step out, step out and breathe some fresh air. It's, it's the springtime now. Come out. I mean, all those things that you have to do, like if it's, it's particularly like you've lost somebody and you have to, you know, uh, process death certificates and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, that comes with death. Leave it for a moment. You don't, 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 you don't have to do everything today. Rome wasn't built in a day and you can, it, it'll, it'll, it'll hold till tomorrow. Um, you don't have to get rid of all the clothes today. You don't have to, you don't, ha- if you have time at work, just take your time and go back to work. Um, but just do a, what I, what I like to call it when I'm working with um, clients, a head and a heart check. Where's your head now? And where's, and how's your, and how's your heart feeling? Um, if either one of those are out of alignment, which they are when it comes to, when it comes to grieving, stop, give yourself 15 minutes it's okay. 15 minutes is not going to make or break anything. Let me say, but it will help you to move forward. It will help you to kind of calm the noise, if you will. Um, and if that doesn't help, call somebody that you know will listen. Um, be care- and, and be careful who you invite into your grieving process. Sure. Absolutely. That's so important. That's like with every and anything, you know, Right. (laughs) (laughs) but you're a little more vulnerable, I think when you're grieving. And so Mm -hmm. it's important to point that out, still be, try to be alert and, you know, those people that you care about that might be going through that process. Right. You might have to help 
and, and keep an eye out for, you know, everything from scammers to, you know, people who just do not have one's best interests at heart. Exactly. Um, as you were mentioning that, I was thinking, I, I, I just don't have any idea how people coped with everything that was going on uh, during COVID. You know, not, mm-hmm. I know people, <laughs> I have people in my family, I won't call any names, but did not leave the house for a good eight months. Okay. I mean, right. so, you know, I, I don't have a clue as to how you could get away from, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. What, did, did you face that with anybody dealing with anybody who was just at home and my parents, mm. my parents. Um, so my parents are older. Um, and as, as parents, I mean, not that they have huge health issues, but they had health issues. So they didn't go anywhere. And my, they have uh, my, my 13 year old nephew lives with them. Uh, so he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so and then, you know, so and I have again, I have a custody of my grand my four of my grandchildren, because again, God has jokes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought you were done, right? No. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but um, so what would happen, and then my, a, good, a good girlfriend of mine, she, her, her, she was an essential worker, and she had two uh, school-aged children. So what I would do, um, I would go pick her children up. And then, I, so I, would, I was very careful. Um, I, I went into the store. I, I was masked up drop everything off, come out the house. But they had, um, we had uh, bleach white, bleach wipes, not Clorox wipes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we made sure between my sister and I, we made sure that our parents were okay because they just did not want to come out um, rightfully. So, um, but it, it was, it was interesting. And I know of another, another man who um, a very, very sweet gentleman, he still hasn't come out. He came out to get the vaccines and he's still not allowing people to come in until July. Yeah. Um, but what I think it has forced people, <laughs> it forced people to, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was just weird. Get along with each other. Um, and, but then you, then the scary part of it was then you, the flip side that the commercial that you just said, some people were locked in with their abusers. So right. that was even that's scarier. That's scarier too, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. But it was. It was. You had to be. I think had to be more aware of people and and checking on people now on the phone um, and um, video conferencing and and checking and making sure that everybody was okay because of this was so unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Now I know. Um... You know, there might be times where you really want to help somebody, um, especially somebody might be worried about who is going through the grieving process. Um, what are some great questions that maybe you can ask in a very tactful way that might uh, basically let us know, you know, where they're at so that, you know, if they need help, we can come up with ways uh, to help them. and, and To help uh, them intervention you know um one i mean i guess uh in covid i mean you can i think when you're talking to somebody you can kind of hear i think if you if you're if you're being very mindful um but the one thing that we want to uh ask is did you eat today um did you brush your teeth did you change your clothes 
Um, did you go grocery shopping? Um, yeah. where, where, or, or, or most importantly, where are you, where are you right now? Mm-hmm. Are you still in the bed? Um, right. are you in the room? Did you get out? Um, cause I mean, when, for me, it, it was just that intentional when I was going through my grieving process, the fact that I sat up in my bed and I, I, uh, cause I have a chair in my right, right next to my bed. I actually got up out the bed and sat on the chair. That was huge for me because all I wanted to do was sleep. Um, and it could be, the, and it could be just that simple. Uh, did you get out the bed today? Did you, did you put your feet on the ground? Did you put your feet on the ground? Did you feel something other than just laying there prostrate? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where are you in the, you sound angry. You sound, are you, are you crying? I mean, all these different, you can ask those different kinds of questions that you can ask and you may get a response. Or you may not get a response. Um, or, or the other part is if you have not heard from the person at all in a mm-hmm. few days, it's very important then to reach out to them to see where yeah. they are. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, people, uh, they are uncomfortable with the process sometimes. So they may take a step back because they don't know what to say or don't know right. what to do, but we probably should not do that. We sh- we need to really, you know, like they did in the old days, you know, check on people, mm-hmm. see how they're doing and that kind of thing. It's, so, it's okay to be nosy. Sometimes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Get in there and find out what's going on. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so in being sensitive, uh, what do you think are some things that might trigger a grief reaction in people? You know, it's different for every person. And I think it's also the type of loss, who the person was, who the person was to that person. Um, I, like I said, I recently had a conversation with somebody um, and for them, their trigger was the first was the first of a lot of things. Um, the first time they went out to eat by themselves without without the person the person that passed away. Um, for me, I was driving down the street um, a few months ago, and I was having a good day. There was nothing wrong. An eighteen wheeler pulled up beside me, and I lost it because my best friend was a truck driver, and mm-hmm. I was like. Really? <laughs> and, and like, I'm, I was like, oh, why am I crying? But that was a cr- trigger. And we have to understand that those, and those are con- um, considered what's called, what's considered, um, there's a term for it. It's called a grief burst. And um, it will, it'll come out of nowhere. You can think you're okay. But again, uh, holidays and now mothers, the people that in COVID who have lost their mother through COVID, Mother's Day was very hard because that was the first time you were without mom. Father's Day is getting ready to come up. Um, it could be something as small as um, the Isley brothers came on the radio and they came, and they had a moment. And it was like, but that was his favorite song. That was her favorite song. Um, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So it's different for every person. And um, when that happens, if you're around a person like that and you see them starting to get emotional behind something that you feel is very small, um, I would, uh, again, consider that that's a trigger for them, that that's mm-hmm. a, that there was something that was going on with them and just ask, are you okay? And they may tell you because now we're making it normal. Mm. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> that This person, oh yeah, I forgot. They just lost somebody a few months ago. Mm-hmm. They lost somebody a year ago. They may be, and I, I, last year, 
around. So my best friend died, um, died in July and something happened in my life. And I was like, what happened? Why well, was so, it was a cloud. And I was like, and then I realized, oh, it was the anniversary of his death. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, and I didn't make good decision. I didn't make a good decision about something then. And I was like, why not? And I said, my brain wasn't there. So, you have to, so, so the one year anniversary, so a lot of stuff can lead to persons being, um, being, having a trigger. Um, but as we, as we begin to heal, it won't be as intense the next time it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take uh, uh, another break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about children and grief. Um, uh, totally likely different. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we want to just discuss that a little bit with you. We'll be back right after this. Domestic violence between intimate partners is expected to rise by 20% during and coming out of the quarantine shutdown. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Don't wait for an abuser to hurt you. Call the police if you feel threatened. If your abuser begins to stalk you, it might be time for an order of protection. Once you get it, carry it with you and show it to police if you must call them. For more information, call the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. Hello and welcome back to the Celeste Stein Show. Um, thanks for joining us today. And today we are talking about grief. And I uh, wanted to get into uh, children and the grieving process. Um, do you think children should be allowed to go to the, the funeral of a parent or grandparent? Um, you know, at this particular time in light of COVID, what, you know, what do you think is going on right now with that? Um, I believe that, uh, to be, to, to, to raise healthy adults, you need to raise uh, healthy children need to be healthy and learn and understand the whole process. And the only reason I say that is because my granddaughter was very close with my grandmother, who was her great, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was there at the service, my, her and my grand, my oldest grandson, they both came to the service so that they understood that um, grandma wasn't com- what we called her grand was no longer coming back. But again, um, I, I would defer to a parent to, to have that conversation, but adults don't want to have the conversation. So, so then trying to help a child through it when an adult doesn't want to do it. So again, it goes back to, we need to normalize this thing called death and understand that it happens and right. that um, however you tell your child uh, that a loved one has passed on, um, whatever conversation you have, but it needs to, there needs to be a one that, um, and um, there's several books. And if you, if you can't, if you can't find the words, there's a lot of books that you can use to explain what's going on. We, the one we use for my grandchildren um, now the, the title slipped my head, but it talks about uh, going to heaven and, and that the person did pass away and this would look like. And um, because uh, this is void now, and it's unfair of the child not to know what's going on. And then again, that can be their first loss. I, I, I remember my first loss was my, my, um, my grandmother, my father's mother. I was four because mm. uh, I remember it because I remember she got sick. They took her to the hospital, and I remember my father picking me up to look um, into the casket. 
I didn't get it, but I understood. I mean, I understood. I mean, at four, I didn't. I didn't process it as she had died, but I still knew that she was not there because she looks. I thought she was asleep, um, but I knew she was not. I knew fundamentally, I knew that she wasn't there. But I got to say, at least got to say goodbye. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah, right. And uh, I was mm-hmm. one thing um, that kind of reminded me about my uh, grandmother's funeral. I was not allowed to go. I was like fourteen, but uh, we weren't allowed to go. My I have two siblings who weren't allowed to go to that one. But I was in college when my grandfather passed away, and that was the first time that I lost somebody really close to me. Mm-hmm. And we were at the funeral, and I remember, you know, as people were coming around, we were kind of standing like in a line, and people were coming back through. And my brother is, is kind of a funny guy. He 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 um, kind of says what's on his mind. You know, I'm more quiet and introverted by nature, but as people came by, somebody made a comment. It's like, well, you should be very uh, happy that your grandfather was able to live a very long life and started saying all this stuff. And after the person passed on, moved down the line, my brother said, that person doesn't even know me or know anything about, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, you know, it's like, it, it was weird because what you'll find is people don't know what to say. They don't, they don't they really don't know what to say. And they so don't. I don't know. It's like, when in doubt, maybe leave it out. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, just let's just. Uh, There's no just need to talk. What <laughs> <laughs> did you think sometimes? You know, um, like, and, but, and 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 I'm not, and I'm like your brother. I'm, I'm I I don't. And people tell me all the time, your my face tells everything. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, did y'all just say that for real? <laughs> right. And I'm like, and, and, you, and you're constantly telling yourself, fix your face, Troy, fix your face, Troy. <laughs> right. Yeah, there are people who are definitely like that. I, I'm, I'm able to conceal mine very well, but uh, I, I'm written. around people all day, every day that it's all in the face, you know, all in the expression. So you have to, I mean, just realize people are human too. People are right. people. And uh, it, it, it's going to happen that someone might say something awkward or uncomfortable but um I think that um you know there is the point in the fact that certainly people might need assistance Mm -hmm. um we might not always know what to say or how to say it but you know we there there are times that people might need to see a grief counselor or somebody to talk about what's going on how how would you say are some good ways to look for someone in your area that you might be able to consult with? Um, I think so. If you go to, um, there's a, there's a website. Um, it's called grief.com. Um, I mentioned Dave Kessler. Um, he is, uh, um, he's an amazing man. Um, he, he has an actual directory of grief counselors all over the country. And I, 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 I venture to say internationally, but um, Dave Kessler, he is the, the, the beyond, um, there's several others, but he's, well, he's the most re- renowned person that works in grief, counsel, grief, grief support. And he has everyone that um, has gone through his course that have, um, that are uh, uh, grief, grief, grief support people. He's one of them. Um, 
we you can also go to a therapist you can go to your own another therapist locally um if you didn't want to go through through um thegrief.com i would say reach out to your local uh psychotherapy psycho psych, psychiatrists um the whole that that whole mental health field um but uh, if you wanted someone who who specifically works with those who are grieving, then yes, um, grief.com is a good one. Um, and, and hopefully people, and, and a lot more people are starting to understand COVID. That's the one thing that COVID has exposed um, is this whole notion that, of grief. Yeah. It's been there. It's not going anywhere, but COVID has exposed that way. We're all, we've all lost something. And what, the, what, what am I feeling? I'm not understanding what this feeling is, is grief. And um, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's and something we don't really think about, but it has really been an interesting time, hasn't it? It um, has. It yeah. has. And 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 it ha- and and um and um something that and again, I, I mean, not I, I I think Dave Kessler is great, and a lot of his I borrow a lot of his things. So one day, hopefully, I'll meet him. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, he said he said grief has to be seen. Grief has grief, in order for it to, to to heal like anything else. Grief has to be exposed, and um, COVID has definitely been exposing um, grief. And I read an article a couple of days ago. It said, "What's the, the next the next wave of this of the pandemic? The next thing that happens after the pandemic is dealing with grief, especially those who are on the front lines, right? Because um, they have been." They've seen it. They've seen their patients die within hours. And at some point, the frontline workers and the essential workers are all going because they have been risking their lives doing the things right. that we have not had to do. I, I was able to stay at home. My mom was able, my parents were able to stay at home. Others were able to stay at home. They had to actually get up and go into the hospital. And they, um, and no one talks about it, but a lot of them, when COVID first happened, some traveling nurses, they had to find somewhere to live places that they were supposed to stay, people were afraid of them because they didn't want them to live with them. So now landlords were kicking, were revoking. So now not only you have to go to work and your patients are dying, now you don't have a, a safe place of your own and trying to keep your family safe. So just crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> crazy. I mean, it, it was weird around here. Uh, two of us were, well, one is a first responder and the other <laughs> working, you know, in the hospital clinic setting and it 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 was like nobody knew what was going on. You know, we had mm-hmm. to like get a handle on it really quickly, <laughs> right? And then start doing all the things that you know you need to do, taking it very seriously. Now, I know we don't have much time left, but I did. I, I think I read that you had a grief kit that you created. I do have a grief kit, so. My grief kit, because again, our theory is the magic that happens when you let, no, I'm sorry, the healing journey begins when you let it all out. So when I was working, when I began this process and started working with people, the first thing I created was, wrote was my book, um, Soul Ties, Letters of Love. Um, and then as I kept going, I was like, well, what does that look like? How do we work? So I, be, I began to create a crit. So we have a journal. That's like a 220 page journal. Um, a pillow, a tumbler, and how did, why did I, in a, in, a, in a little bag to put everything in. Why did I do that? Because, um, again, like, like um, if I borrow Inyala's um, uh, process, we need to interrupt. 
the process and getting everything out. So with the journal, of course, you can write everything in the journal, write it out. Um, with the Tumblr, the Tumblr forces you to go get something to drink. Right. It forces you to stop. Right. <laughs> That's great. I mean, you know, it's so important to have those things. Mm-hmm. That's, what a great idea. I know we're mm-hmm. almost out of time here. I wanted to be able to say thank you so much thank you for much. joining us today. And, um, you know, I think uh, this has been great. You guys can reach out to me and if you want to get more information on our guests that joined us today. You can certainly uh, visit, visit my website, bsaprinc.com. Again, that's bsaprinc.com. We'd love to hear from you. I thank you all for listening. And remember, in all you're getting today, don't forget to gain wisdom and understanding. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein. Thanks for joining us.